Amen. Well, it feels good in here on a Sunday morning. Somebody said amen. Man, the Lord is here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Mm. I am the word. I am victorious delivery for you in a time of desperate trouble. Follow hard after my promises and know that they are sure and amen. I will guide you and direct you into an open place of victory. I will not leave you desolate in a darkened place, but I will guide you into the victory that is yours through my word. Have I not always followed through on my promises in your life? Do you think that my power is any less? Do you feel that I am any less powerful in your sight or in this world? I am not, says the Lord. Trust in me. Look to me now and know that I have the answer you are seeking. And I am here to give you courage, to give you confidence that I will see you through it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Lift your hands and honor the presence of the Lord. Lord, we take a moment to honor your word that is spoken. We believe that's a word for your people. We thank you, Lord. We honor you today. We give you honor and praise for the Holy Spirit that confirms over and over and over again. We honor your name, Lord Jesus. He knows you're here. That ought to bless you. He knows you're here. He knows what you're going through. He has worked in this service. I'm telling you, the Lord is in his holy temple. It's in his house. You can carry, you know that that truth is good all the way out the door to your car and back into life as you know it. It's good to come in here, feel the presence of God, the power of God, but man, I'm giving, I believe the Lord is giving you courage to know that you're, when you leave here, He's with you. He's with you. Sister Mary, He's with you. You and Charlie. He's got His hand on you. He's strengthening you when you don't even know it. You turn your back to carry on duties. And He says, she needs power right now. He lays His hand on you. God follows after you and He walks in front of you. He's taking care of you. He's taking care of Charlie. He's got his hand on you. I want everyone to stretch your hands towards Mary right now. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. We honor you. Your strength, your blessing. Lord, loves her family, a caregiver, a godly, sainted woman. Touch her this morning. Minister strength to her and the love of her life, Charlie. Touch them together as a couple who have poured into the lives of so many through the years. Thousands that they've ministered to and preached to and prayed for. Thank you for your hand on them today in the name of Jesus. We as a church lift them up. We lift up their arms and ask you to strengthen them today. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Ephesians 1 and 17 says, For I always pray, and I'm reading from the Amplified Version. It's 
personal favorite. I enjoy it because it brings it all together, Hebrew, Greek, everything together, and kind of explains it. But if you've got your King James Version or your New King James or your N-O-C-I-S Bible, you just follow along. For I always pray to the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he may grant you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets, in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. Wow, really? That's crazy good. Second verse, our text. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light, so that you can know and understand the hope to which he has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints, his set-apart ones, and so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his power in and for us who believe as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength. Can you say amen? The New King James Version says that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Amen. Lord, we ask your blessings on your word. Challenge us and speak to us by your spirit as we endeavor to be excellent in the work we do as a church, as the body of Christ at Middletown. I ask you to enable us through your Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. We're praying today, and we'll, I want to pray before we, before we leave here at our closing prayer for Sister Ruth Wood, who is in ICU at the hospital, and Brother Ron Carter, who was here at the first service. Uh, the Lord laid him on my heart this week. I wrote him a, a message, and uh, just out of nowhere, I just felt very strong that he needed just encouragement, and I, I wrote him and came up this morning and, and said that he's dealing with some issues with his heart. Uh, so just keep him in your prayers. We're believing that everything is good and that God has his hand on him. Amen. So but pray for Ron Carter. And then Monroe Osborne needs our prayers today. He is suffering physically and has had been in and out of the hospital. And we want to pray for him and his family today. We've been focusing this year since January. The Lord spoke to us about our theme for this year that we would focus, that there would be a thrust placed on prodigals and servants, that this would be where we go this year and we have been endeavoring to do that we've been preaching we've been praying we we've been focusing on that and we've been seeing deliverance as we said this morning we have the testimony of a young man who came forward who's a prodigal I've had many others who I'm kind of keeping score keeping a little booklet together and excited about what God is doing the prayers that are being answered the people that are being healed the things that are happening this is not a church that just has prayer requests we have answers to prayers and these are the things that make a church, make a difference in a church. How many of you know we are called to bear fruit? We're called to bear fruit. So it's our job as faithful, as the believers, to get in a relationship with God where there's fruit in our lives. Duh. I mean, we're supposed to have, there's supposed to be a result that comes out of what we do. And so in everything that we do, we're trying very hard to close the gap. That's what I used in staff meeting this week is talking to our, our staff, our workers, our pastors. We were talking, I, I have a concern consistently that in everything we do, I, I can, I, I pridefully, not pridefully, 
proudly. I don't know what the word is. I say to anybody, I'm a student for life. I want to I constantly be learning. I don't have any sacred cows. I'm over that stuff. If something isn't working, trash it. Let's move on to something that works. I don't want to be stuck in some ritualistic tradition that doesn't have any power. The Bible says it very plainly. It says a form of godliness, but denies the power. I want to see power. I'm going to go to a church that has power. I'm not, if, if I leave and move to Alaska, I'm going to go and find a church where there is power and there's answered prayers and fruit. And so as a pastor and working with our staff, we're constantly working to bring excellence to the ministries, to what we do. I'm concerned. I'm, I'm currently going through an evaluation myself of, of the way we greet people, the way that we usher people, the way that we, we are all of our ministries, our children's ministry, our youth ministries, our senior ministries. We're bringing this all together and we're looking at all of it and we're evaluating. You don't never, ever need to question whether we're stuck somewhere because we're the first ones coming to a table to say, is this working? If it's not working, let's change it. Because I want to be excellent for God and I want fruit. About five people said amen. The rest of you are scared. You think I'm going to change something. This is the year of the prodigal. And I want to know because I get this heavy feeling in my heart when, when it feels like on the front end of things, we, we're exploding. We have tons of first-time guests. Families looking at us all the time. I'm constantly meeting with new families who are wanting to join our fellowship. And it's a good thing, a great thing. It's a good problem when you try to get around to as many people as you can after church. And, and yet you just feel like you've just got crowds everywhere. It's wonderful to have that kind of problem in the church. We could be sitting around going. Yeah. That was a bad whistle, but I'm going to dry mouth it. But our heart is that, that we go beyond being good up front. That all the way down through every ministry in this church, we are excellent at what we do. We have a long way to go. I'm not pleased, but we're better than we were, and we're moving towards where we want to go. And we do that together. But one of my concerns is, let me ask the question, how many in here have someone in your family, in your life, a child, a son, a daughter, a grandchild, or a husband, a wife, or a friend, a family member, someone who is a prodigal? Now, what I mean by prodigal is that they were raised up in the faith. They know the way, but they are so far from it right now that it almost looks hopeless. Pastor, I have a prodigal in my life. Let me see your hands. Look around. Okay, here's my issue. Here's my problem. We need a prodigal revival. We need to know, and I called the, the message prodigal hotline, prodigal prayer hotline. Because I want to know, I, a lot of people give us advice, give us steps, give us ministry keys and we get all these things and people advertise and they try to tell us and okay hang on to this and turn loose of that and and grab hold of this and and you'll get your prodigals your, your sons and your daughters we're claiming them we're naming them we're blabbing them we're grabbing them we're doing all this stuff i want to know what's the hotline brother tony what's what's the straight shot the red phone sitting by the throne room that gets 
the word and I'm my prodigal. What is it that causes there to be an influx? We're real good about going to the, and thank God we had 20 saved at the jail yesterday. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord for that. Amen. Thankful for the jail ministry. If you want to be a part of that, sign up. What are you doing? Get on it. Sign up tomorrow, today, before you leave. I'm in a weird mood. But sometimes we come through Easter, and, and here's what bothered me a little bit. We come through Easter, and we're, we, we see a hundred plus people come to Christ and come to decision for the Lord, and that's awesome. You know, we, we, we celebrate that. But the very next week, we baptize four. I mean, maybe you don't think anything about that, but sometimes I wonder, what do we do past the celebration? What do we do past the big night, big day? What do we do past that? Is the back door as wide open as the front door? Are we bringing them in? And they're just walking through. Because we don't have a strategy for discipleship. Now that is a pastor. You're coming into a private meeting in my head. This is the things that I pray about. Because I look at it this way. Every single son, daughter, child, every part of this body, your cousin Lou, everybody is a valuable, treasurable soul. Not one. It's not okay for us to ever say, well, that one slipped through the cracks. Is that okay with you? That's not okay with me. That's not all right. That's not the mentality or the vision of this church. That's not fruit on the tree. That's a tree, that's a tree that's got a bare spots. That's a tree that's not producing the kind of fruit that we need. We as a church, now here's where you get to be in on it. See, you thought, mm-hmm, yeah, them pastors. Mm-hmm. If they'd get a little more excellent, we'd get some stuff done around here. Guess what? If you read Ephesians, it talks about the body has many parts. And all of those parts are supposed to be working together, anointed by the Holy Ghost to do the work of God. We're to be united together. One is an arm, one is a hand, one is an eye and an ear. One is a leg and a foot. All of us working together, many parts, to work together, unified, unity. I think we got that. You guys, I mean, unless you're lying to me, you're friendly to me when I come to church. But real unity is when we're doing more than shaking hands at the door, getting our hands dirty in the field that's when we have real unity and we understand the biblical principles of God I don't know where it got messed up in the church world where everybody thought that the pastor is the one who's supposed to do all the work when you have 1400 members on the roll y'all are taking me to the hospital it is stressful to keep 1400 people happy especially when 800 of them are sitting back going around the pastor didn't call me Well, I ain't paying my tithe this week. Bless God, let him come find me. (laughs) Dear Lord, 
Dear Lord. What kind of mentality? Where did that happen? In the, Old Te- in the, in the New Testament, in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it tells you how the church is supposed to be. And it doesn't say anything in there about the pastor. I have a role. You have a role. It is, I didn't even ask for this role. God brought me into this. I came kicking and screaming, remember? But I can tell you today, oh, you're gonna, it's going to act like, I'm, like I was asking for this. Today is the day I celebrate 11 years as your pastor. Today. Awesome. Let's move on. <laughs> I love what I do. I love what I do. I feel blessed and favored. But I will tell you what, when the Holy Spirit moves like he does this morning, that's when I feel that I'm doing what I'm called to do. When the presence of God brings a young man down to the front, standing in the altar, to look at me with tears in his eyes, and I said, you want to get things right with Jesus right now? Yes. He's broken in his heart, giving his life to God. That is when I feel like we're doing the job. We've got prodigals. We would have double the attendance today if just your prodigal would come home. We focus so much on the outside that I'm afraid nobody's watching the back door. Come on and say amen anyhow. We focus so much on who's coming in because they haven't given us any trouble. They They didn't smart off to us. They're the, they're the neat ones. They're, they get a fresh start. You know, nobody's watching the back door as people filter out. They get hurt. They get disillusioned. They look at the church and they think, you're not real. They certainly feel like you don't care about me. And they go. And most of them end up in a far country, far, far away from God. And then we, today, are looking across the field, and we're saying, where, where are our prodigals, and how do we get a hotline to heaven for them? Well, in the four minutes that I have left, I want to remind you that a prodigal is anybody. It could be a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a relative, a friend. It could be anyone. Someone raised up in the faith who had a Christian background, but they've walked away and they're no longer living for the Lord. This is a prodigal. My heart is that we started, I, I, I wanted to close the gap on ministry excellence this week, but the Lord drug that into my message this week as I was preparing in my mind and heart, and he made it very clear, we need to close the gap on our discipleship, close the gap on our excellence as a body of Christ. We need to close the gap. We don't need to have prodigals walking out the door. We don't need a prodigal counter. I don't want nobody counting prodigals. I want us to start putting a stop to the enemy's uh, traps and schemes that causes them to walk out the back door. I say we protect and we go after every single one of them. If they're breathing and they're living today, it's time for us to start raising the dead as bodies of Christ, as the body of Christ. The problem is... You know, we focus a lot. Now, we're going to talk about what we need to do very quickly about this hotline. What is the hotline? What is the, the, the strategy, the thing, the highest priority in reaching our prodigals? Everybody has them. They're all over the place. 
And what's important is there are new prodigals. Oh, I don't even want to speak this out. I'm not going to. I'm not speaking it out. But I am saying that in this crowd there are people that are headed in that direction if God doesn't intervene and light doesn't flood your heart this morning. You think prodigals for everybody else, but as was spoken earlier, we need to be careful ourselves because we can become the prodigal overnight. We can become the prodigal. It's just a, a drifting away. It's just a coldness. It's just an indifference. It's a selfishness. It's, it, let me, it's always a selfishness. So you, you don't like that. That stung you when I said that. But it is selfishness in the highest order. When you turn your back on God, when you turn your back on faith, when you walk away from the brotherhood, the Christians in your family, the church, when you walk away from all that you knew and was raised up in it, you are selfish. You are saying to the whole world, the whole universe, I don't have time for you. I don't want you. I don't have anything to do with you. But we as the body of Christ have to be instrumental and strategic in what we do and making sure we are working to prevent any hindrances or any obstacles because many times, how many of you know, those woundings are actually real. Comes from real people sitting in the house of God. We don't like to say that, but it's true. Someone sitting very close to you right now, for that matter, could be, could be a prodigal in the making. They could be well on their way. We've got to do something. We have to have a plan, a strategy. As a matter of fact, it, it could be you. It could be me. That's why every day I get up and I pray to God that he will examine me I evaluate myself, constantly evaluating myself, always analyzing, asking the Lord, you, you take care of me, you put the mirror up to me, you check my heart, you tell me what's wrong in my life. Paul did the same thing in 1 Corinthians 9 and 27 when he said, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. King James Version says, lest after having preached to the masses, I would find myself a castaway. Paul, are you kidding me? If Paul worries about that, if Paul beats down his body and brings it into subjection, if he disciplines himself, then you and I ought to definitely be doing it. That's all right. Thank you for saying amen. But if you are with me, and we know the Lord is getting ready to come. We believe the, the soon return of Jesus is just nigh. I mean, missiles are flying all over the world at each other, and we are sitting here looking up to the eastern sky because I'm telling you, I believe the Lord is on his way. And we need to do everything we can for the fields are wide into harvest, and there is a, a harvest of young people, a harvest of prodigals, men and women. There are lots of folks who yet need to get back. We go after the lost, but we've got to also remember in that lost crowd are prodigals. And we need to have a strategy for them because they're not like the other lost folks. Sometimes they know how to hide. Sometimes they know how to make excuses. They can talk the talk. They can get you to shut down immediately. All they got to do is say, all oh, them hypocrites up there. All they got to do is talk about this problem they saw or that problem they saw in church. All they got to do is give you the list of stuff that they've seen growing up and in their lives, and that shame on the church, amen. Shame on the church. 
But we are strategically at a place where I want us to come together. We analyze ourselves. We live a godly life. We examine our own spiritual life. And we lay that before God and let him turn the light on. And we get ourselves right. We work in excellence on our ministries. We close the gap. We do what we can do to be excellent. And we're going to be on an excellent journey right now for the next little while. So you better, you better hold on to your hat and get ready. And when you see me coming, you better be in a prayer submissive mode or run. Because I'm going to put you to work. We need to be busy being excellent for the kingdom. We need to know what's the strategy for reaching the prodigal, which is a special situation. It's your son. It's that little baby girl that was placed in your arms. It's that one that you love. We have to treat that with TLC. We have to care. That's somebody's little baby. We dedicated these little babies here this morning. That prodigal out there, that's somebody's baby. Somebody's gift from God. We've got work to do. So what do we do? We, we look back at our scripture. And I only got a few seconds now. I'm down to 20 seconds. All right, here we go. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light, so that you can know and understand the hope to which he's called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints his set apart ones by having the eyes of your heart now isn't that interesting the eyes of your heart we used to sing that song open the eyes of my heart lord but we never really see the picture i see a heart blinking at you winking at you what open the eyes of my heart well of course we know biblically what we're talking about is not the heart that pumps the blood through the body we're talking about you the real you your soul the part of you that never gets sick the part of you that even when you're down with the flu you're sitting there going when am I going to feel better I can't wait you the real you that's the part where God wants to get to. It's so hard sometimes, Liz, to get to the heart of the matter, of the person, because there's so much facade, there's so many masks, so much fluff. But the scripture's pointing to something very strategic for us that I want you to get before we go. We've got a prodigal, what we're praying for. Now, here's what I've learned. This is just what I've learned. Arguing. Screaming, hollering, shaming, throwing scriptures at them. All of those things. It's not going to do any good. It's not going to do any good. I can force them to come to church. I can shame them. I can throw scripture at them, preach at them. I can just tell them what up. And they may even come. But inside their heart, they are still in a far country. See, the answer, the fruit on the tree is not that they're sitting here. The fruit on the tree is that they choose to be here. 
they choose to know him. You don't have to worry about what they do. Laws they break, the stuff they do, the stuff they're into. When the light comes on, then they don't want to do it. I'll never forget the night I went home, tore down all my 70s posters down. I got filled with the Holy Ghost, and I couldn't do it with the lights on because it was such a part of me. So I went home. I was, God, I love you so much. I just love you. And first thing I did was I went in my closet, and I found the Emotional Rescue album of Rolling Stones. And I took it, and, and I bent it. And I, I was going to break it, and I bent it, and it, it just kept bending. And it wouldn't break. And I was just like, devil, I come against you. <laughs> I'm like bending it, bending it, bending it. Finally, I just threw it against the wall. And I was just like, in the name of Jesus, rolling. So Mick Jagger, you will not have a hold on me. Then I looked at all my posters. Charlie's Angels. Jacqueline Smith. Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> and I started. I walked over to the wall. And I'm just like, Brian, I'm like, I'm like, click. <laughs> tore them all down tore them all down my room looked like a tornado hit it everything was ripped off the walls and thrown in the middle of the floor and I was like thank you Lord I did it I turned the lights on and I was like what have you done when the light comes on I've only got a few seconds here when the light comes on you don't have to worry about their activity you don't have to worry about them Let's get to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is the heart. Open the eyes of my heart. In other words, open the understanding of my heart. Open up my eyes. The, the parable of the prodigal son in the New Testament, Jesus gave it as one of three examples. And we've taught about that and preached about that just a couple of months ago. But you look at that prodigal sitting in the hog's pen desiring it doesn't say he ate with the pigs it says he desired their food because he was a, he was working he wasn't allowed to eat their food and you got to remember this was a Jewish young man according to what we understand and the pork was unclean those pigs were unclean here he is in the middle of the pig's pen feeding them those the husks or corn or whatever they were eating he lusted after their food until the Bible says, and when he came to himself, flood of light and understanding. And he said, I had it better at my dad's. Even the hired servants have it better at my dad's. I'm going to go home. I'm going to repent to my father. Father, I have sinned before heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please let me work as a hired servant in, your, in the quarters behind the house, the main house. I'm not asking for my old room. Practice it over and over and over again, and we know the story. The father, when he saw him coming at yet a great distance, probably smiled and said, the light came on. Because I have no doubt that every day he paced. His, he didn't know how many years. He didn't tell us how many years it was. We didn't know how long it was. But every day he was watching 
so that he saw him a great distance. There's something amazing about the powerful prayers of a father or a mother. Something amazing. Mama, don't you give up. Daddy, don't you give up. Don't you give up, husband, wife. Don't you give up praying because the power of those prayers are stacked up in heaven for those prodigals and they can't handle it. Let me tell you, they cannot handle it. I know of a situation where a young man was telling his mother off. I do not believe like you believe. I don't, I'm not a Christian. I am a pothead. I am not doing anything else anymore that you tell me I'm done. And mom is crying, crying. She has fasted and prayed and went days, 10 days without food. And, and she's cried and prayed and sought the face of God. And her son, she's looking for a sign from heaven that it's all going to be okay. And he's like, I hate you. texted she said I've never been talked to like this before he hates me I just want to die what have I done wrong but she didn't know on the other side while she was texting he was texting the same person who was receiving first text and he goes hey 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 buddy what's up hey man well I, I've just been under a lot of pressure and expectations seem to be too high and I just had a very hard conversation with my mom and I hurt her real bad and she's crying I said I hate it when she cries I said would you would you fix it if you can the only way I fixed it was I turned around and, and yeah, it was me. I copied, sent the text to mom. I said, here's what he just sent. Your tears, your prayers, they're being heard. They matter. They're making a difference. He can't stand it. I said, doesn't that make you feel better? She said, a little. Don't you give up. Don't you quit praying. You prayed that prayer. Forget all the steps and all the keys and this preacher and that preacher and that ministry telling you what to do. Forget all that. Let's go back to our text. Open the eyes of their heart, Lord, so that they might know you and the riches of your glory. Your passion and compassion. Your excellence and the greatness and the mighty power of who you are. May they be flooded in their heart with light. Man, I see the prodigal sitting in that pig's pen. can see and know now you see you can't fix them you can't shame them you can't compel their heart only God can and since only God can do it then why are we focusing on every other step and strategy there's only one we know Jesus said no man comes to the father except the spirit draws him 
So if that, if God is the only way that their heart is changed, then God ought to be who we pursue with all passion. We ought to do it morning, noon, and night. Pray over them every day, all day. Lord, open the eyes of their heart. Open the eyes of their heart. Lord, today, open the eyes of their heart. Lord, bring our prodigals to themselves. Stand with me this morning. Richard's almost got it done. We've got a prayer wall. It looks like something from American Israel. It's a prayer wall. We're going to give you parchment. And you're going to put in the names of your prodigals. And we're going to put them in there. And as we put them in there, we're not leaving them in there. We're going to pray for the day we then pull them back out. And our celebration is going to be on the day they're no longer a prodigal. We're going to have that. We're going to roll it right down here. We're going to do a prodigal Sunday. And we're going to pray our guts out. We're going to have prayer services. Don't be all upset when you get here and we're calling a prayer meeting. How many of you know we need more prayer meetings in this church? Don't you get all upset. Don't you get all wired up. Get out of your roles of tradition and all that junk that keeps the church weak. We've got to pray together. I want to see a, a prodigal revival. So we need some prayer services where we all come together in agreement and we say, Lord, open the eyes of their heart. Open up Johnny's. Open up James. Open up Alice. Open up Mary's eyes. Open up Johnny's eyes. Lord, touch the prodigals. Flood their hearts with light. Light. Don't focus. The problem you've had is you focus on the dead thing. We're worried sick. We're full of fear. We're full of anger. Oh, that's anger? Full of bitterness sometimes. Did I say that? Isn't that the road that leads to us becoming a prodigal? <laughs> Got to be careful. I've known many parents who, after seeking for a prodigal, they gave up midway and they became one. You got to stay the course. You got to be determined that the one thing that's going to work is God. The one thing that's going to get through is God. The one thing that you must pray every time you get down to pray. And it's a prayer of power. It's a prayer of power. I wish I had time to tell you the, the testimony of, very quickly, 17 years a mother prayed for her son. She had two kids that went the right way and served God. One son was a hellion. He was wild. He went crazy. He went nuts. He's in the terrible lifestyle he's out there just doing whatever and this happened 1600 years ago and yet it's a powerful testimony today as he lived any old way he wanted to got in an unwed position and had babies and just living terrible lifestyles and throwing the caution in the wind and doing anything he wanted to do he was so far away from God he said I'm an atheist I don't care I don't believe but mama prayed for him 17 years every day praying Lord open up the eyes of his heart and as she prayed that prayer over him every single day of her life, of his life, after 17 years, she had went to her pastor two years prior to the 17th. She said, why is he still living? 15 years of praying, why is he still living in this sinful lifestyle? And the pastor looked at her and said some powerful words that I want to leave you with today. He said... I don't know 
of a son. I'm trying to find the exact words. It is not possible that the son of so many tears should perish. Your son will be saved. He told her that and she held on to that. Two more years, he got saved. And when he got saved, he became one of the most paraded, most read, most amazing Christian thinkers the universe has ever brought. The struggle and the fight over his walk with God was so serious. He was a gentleman who wrote book after book after book that we still study and read today. St. Augustine. And in one of his books called The Confessions of St. Augustine, he wrote this little word. He said, my mother prayed for me, watered the ground with her tears every step back to God. Watered the ground with her tears for every step I took back to God. He gave her honor for prayers she prayed over him. Mother, father, friend, grandfather, grandmother, brother, sister, water the ground with prayer, with your tears. Let God do an amazing work in their life. Don't have to chase them down. Don't have to argue. Don't have to do it. Let them see the joy of the Lord in your life as you walk past them and you're just like, you're just touching them. How you doing, baby? It's good to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Anoint their pillows, anoint their clothes, anoint their bedroom, anoint their car. Put something on the tire. Put one of these prayer cloths in the tire tread. Do whatever you got to do. You anoint that, that, that man or that woman's life. You anoint them and you pray over them. Lord, open the eyes of their heart. Pray that over and over again. The prodigal son, that's how he came to himself by that prayer I believe with all my heart it was the work of the flooded light of God coming into his life and that's the prayer strategy that's the hotline that goes straight to heaven you want to pray for your prodigal pray the prayer that says open the eyes of their heart can I get an amen amen father we come to you this morning I pray in the name of Jesus you would touch every broken heart Every one of us, Lord, that are broken over the lost in our families, in our lives. Pray that you would minister your strength and grace and courage and wisdom to every single person that raised their hand that said they've got a prodigal in their lives. Lord, we want to see a revival. We want to see them come home. We want to see a big welcome home sign in our church for the prodigals that will come home this year. Lord, we want to see a revival. We're praying in the name of Jesus. The only way we know that that will work, we believe your word, opening the eyes of their heart. Would you do that, Lord, so that they can know you, see you. That will change their life forever. In the name of Jesus. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, give me a moment to ask if there is anyone here today. Maybe you're a prodigal. Maybe you're just lost and you've never accepted Christ into your life. But you're here this morning, and you could sure use an invitation to come to Jesus. The Holy Spirit's knocking on your door. You know you need to be right with God, whether you've been away from Him or you've never been to Him, either way. But you know you need to pray a prayer to be right with Jesus today. Would you just slip up your hand and then write back down? 
Are you here today? God bless you, sir. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless you. Thank you very much. God bless you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray with you in just a moment. Is there anyone else? I need to be right with God. I don't want to leave here today without it. Where are you? God bless you. I see you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just a few seconds. Is there someone waiting? Somebody? One more. Who are you? God bless you. I see you. All right. We're going to pray a prayer. As I've said many times, I... First of all, Melissa, I want you to step into the altar and turn around and face them. Melissa is our discipleship pastor. She wants to help you start a new life with Christ. She's going to be out in the lobby or someone's going to be standing at the crosswalk, small groups, table out there. She's got to give you a Bible. She'll give you information. She wants to help you get started. We've got a small group for you. We've got classes for you. We want to help you grow in your relationship with God. We're going to be excellent at helping you. So please respond to that person or to her who's standing out there find her if she's still trying to get back there just come and find her just make a connection with her we want to help you but this prayer it's not magic it's not a formula it's not it, it wouldn't do a thing in the world for somebody who just spoke it but if it comes from the heart that's been opened the heart that's been flooded with light then heaven takes notice God takes notice. Your life has changed. It'll happen in a second. Just now. So we're going to pray that prayer. And if you didn't raise your hand, you can pray with us anyhow. God knows where you are. But let's pray together. Church, you help us. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Accept you as my Savior. I know that you are the Lord. Be the Lord of my life. You are the Son of God. You died on the cross. You purchased my salvation. I receive you into my life. I believe it in my heart. I confess it now with my mouth. So according to your word, I'm saved. That means I'm born again. I'm a child of God. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Praise God.